Hi, beautiful soul, and a welcome back to Spiritually Empowered. I'm your host, Ashley Coleman. Thank you so much for joining me today. So today I have my first podcast interview, yay, with one of my beautiful friends, Eden. So Eden is a really, really special soul. She is Mind Body Haven on Instagram, so definitely give her a follow. Eden Thaler is a coach, healer, and guide who specializes in helping people step out of their subconscious, childhood wounding, and melt away numbing, controlling, and self-sabotaging patterns so that they can recover the perfect, unique wholeness that's been inside of them all along. So Eden is a really, really special soul, and I know you are going to love this conversation. So let's bring her on. Hello. Hi, Eden. Hi, how's it going? It is going super well. Life is good today. Thank you so much for being my first guest on my podcast. It's so good to see your face. You guys, I'm telling you, Eden is such a pure heart, a pure soul. This is a true honor to have you on here to share your wisdom, your experience. How are you? Oh my goodness. First of all, it's such an honor to be your first guest. I feel the exact same way. And you're just such a soul sister and, and light. So I couldn't be more happy to be here. I'm doing well. Um, I hear that it's Pisces season. I feel like you've been posting about that. All the emotions, we're feeling everything. And that's like my practice right now, I think, is feeling all of the emotions. So that's yes. where I'm at. How are you? Mm, I love that. Yes, yes, yes. And we can chat about Pisces season. That's a big deal. <laughs> I am doing well. I, yeah, you know, I had surgery about a week ago. And yeah, yesterday I was moving a little bit. Like I want to dance and move. And then last night I woke up and I'm like, oh, my stomach hurts. So anyways, I'm reminded to go really slow. Other than that, I'm really well. And that's good. So that's a learning in and of itself. So I'm I'm doing well in this moment. I'm feeling open, feeling good. That's great. I know like, I feel like one of the biggest spiritual practices is separating ourselves from that doing and like sitting in that uncomfortable place when we can't and I feel like physical limitations are the biggest reminder of that so totally. good for you Sending thank you thank you absolutely so Eden start us off with how did you begin this journey of healing so give us a little backstory where did this all start for you oh my gosh okay so I feel like it's there's so many chapters, but it all stems for me from being a highly sensitive kid and empath, as so many of us are. I'm probably all of your listeners can relate to that. Um, and just having so much internalized wounding from childhood and shame and parts about myself that I did not like. And so I think a lot of people can probably relate to this experience of when you are kind of sensitive or emotional or have any sort of gifts or just big emotions, really. I think fundamentally for me, that's what it comes down to is I just feel so much. I'm so sensitive. I have so many emotions that are so strong. And I really received and internalized a message early on that there was something wrong with me. And in order to function in this world and to fit into 
society and be a productive member of society, I was going to need to fix that. I was going to need to get on medication. I was going to need to learn how to be productive, muscle through it. And so that's what I did. I, you know, the, the part of me or side of me that really thrived and got a lot of positive feedback was I was a perfectionist. I overworked. That was the way I tried to control everything. And so I really thrived and excelled at that. And what ended up happening was I, what I never do as my inner just took over. And I was totally overrun by that voice of it's never enough. I lived with this deep feeling of I needed to outrun these things about myself that were bad or shameful or this deep fear of just being inadequate and ineffectual or you know, my body being rushed, all of the things that are wrong, inherently wrong with me that I believed. And so my kind of spiritual personal development journey started when I had a really bad eating disorder. And I ultimately realized, like, you know, it was that physical wake up call of not being able to have a period. I wasn't fertile. I was super depressed, so anxious literally just in the grips of that downward spiral all the time. And I wanted to feel better. I mean, I just wanted to feel better. <laughs> and so it started with health and nutrition and learning how to fuel my body, realizing, okay, it's not just about fueling my body. I still have all this neuroses in my mind. How do I get rid of that? <laughs> and then realize, oh, it's not just about psychology. There's this really important part that is this spiritual part. And I'm so much more than this mind and body and so from there, I just started consuming everything I could get my hands on. One of my favorite traditions and schools of philosophy that I love is Tantra. And my teacher always said in that, that Tantra is anything that works, anything that works to help us have less fear and be more expanded, more of that true essence of who we really are. And so that's kind of been my approach of like what works what works to most efficiently and effectively remove these barriers to me experiencing myself as that whole and perfect being that I know that I am deep down and experiencing that sense of ease and freedom and relief in my life as my day-to-day -day experience just mm -hmm. as my way of being mm -hmm. beautiful and don't we all want that like feeling no pressure in our system because that pressure in our system coming from all these directions really just feels like crap like it just doesn't feel good wow you know that that's absolutely beautiful thank you so much and i can really really relate to the extra sensory type of being and like you said i feel like every single listener is going to connect right into that thank you so much for sharing so let me ask you this did you have like a moment where you were like, shit, nothing is wrong with me. Like, did you have a moment where you had this, like in Buddhist, it's called Satori, right? This like moment, and I'm sure you've had a ton of them, but like in your line and your memories, what sparks you as like a Satori moment? Mm. Oh, okay. I think I call these remembrance moments yes, yes. or like grace and, mm. you know, just kind of talking about this from the Christian lens of like, I, that was always a concept I heard about of, of mm -hmm. grace and, you know, Jesus, and I, I don't subscribe to any one particular tradition, but I always just found that so beautiful. And so I had one experience that I can absolutely pinpoint that was like 
probably the first and most powerful experience of that. And it came years into kind of doing personal development, which I think is really important to highlight for people too, that I feel like we oftentimes come into personal development still with that mentality of wanting to fix ourselves because mm -hmm. we are coming out of pain and we, it was almost like at first in my journey, my perf I transferred my perfectionism and my striving and my workaholic onto personal development. And I yeah. thought that that journey I could become perfect at or become successful at. And so this moment that started to really change all that and I call them God moments or remembrance, remembrance moments was when I was like a few years into my personal development journey. I had been meditating for years and still really struggling with my body and my weight and my body image and constantly in this cycle of I would be quote unquote what I saw as good thin under control um you know I willpower I associate all those words with that and then these this flip side of that which would be this period of kind of relaxation letting myself go to me at a higher weight than what I perceived as good and so I it hit me one moment in that latter period I had it, it was a period of quote unquote what I called letting myself go at the time and kind of waking up to this realization that I tried so hard to control my body and my weight that was like my mo for years it was how I got my self-worth it was how I determined at the end of the day when I was falling asleep whether or not I had permission to kind of check off that I was good enough that day or that I could relax, relax and let things go for the, for the day. And I had this sudden awakening, realizing I had gained weight, that my body was not within my control. And in that moment, I just felt this shattering of what I had perceived to be the understanding that I could control my body all along. And it kind of hit me over the head, like, I'm trying my hardest to control my weight. I've been trying my hardest to control my weight for years now. And yet, even though I'm literally giving my all to this, I, I can't, I can't control it. I am not perfect. I, I cannot keep this up. And that shattered something in me that I had so identified with, but in that shattering and kind of realizing that I cannot attain this, this perfect standard or ideal that I was going for, I literally felt flow into me like this force of unconditional love and mm -hmm. grace. And I felt viscerally in that moment and it's okay. I can't mm -hmm. control my body and it's okay. I feel love somehow. And, and that, that was my real first experience with like, almost an otherworldly, like, I was like, is this me? Is this divine? Like, what is this? But I somehow have this knowingness that even though I'm falling short and I can't control this, I, I'm loved and I'm forgiven. And it was just this very visceral felt sense of compassion. And so that was a real turning point and moment of Satori. Is that what it's called, yeah. I think? Yeah. Or how I interpreted the question. Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm glad I asked that question. That was really beautiful. Wow. Yes. So I want to talk a little bit about your food and body issues and how you've overcome that. Because I know, you know, for myself, that's been something that I've struggled with. And I think like who hasn't at the end of the day. And you mentioned these words, control and perfectionism. Why do we do this? 
please let us know where does that come from so i really think that it stems from a feeling of not feeling safe because mm -hmm. if we feel the need to control because really what dieting restriction perceiving that there's something wrong with our bodies that need to be fixed is all in my opinion it's a method of control it's a mentality of lack and scarcity it's a it's a baseline understanding that we need to do something almost clench our fists almost grip onto something to feel a sense of security and safety and so what i believe that stems from i think most of our stuff comes from childhood wounding and i believe we all have childhood wounding no matter how amazing and wonderful our parents are and i think all of our parents and caregivers do love us and are doing the best they can and yet as humans we just have limitations and we're going to act out of separation because that is what we perceive and so i believe that when we have when we internalize in early childhood that something about us got shamed or something about us for example me having big emotions or being really sensitive is like something i need to harden it creates this feeling of i'm not safe with all parts of myself i'm not safe i don't perceive that i'm going to be loved unconditionally if i let all parts of myself exist and so when we enter then into like an insecure attachment whether that's with a caregiver whether that's just with our surroundings that we're perceiving, our environment, we need to then have another behavior that enables us to feel a sense of control. And so I think that's when any numbing or controlling behavior like emotional eating, drugs and alcohol, overworking, I think people don't realize that overexercising, being an overachiever all falls into that category. I think yeah. we pick different flavors of whether we're we like to numb out more or whether we like to control more, but I believe that that's all the manifestation of that same just core feeling of not feeling safe and not feeling secure. Wow. She said it. I mean, spot <laughs> that just clicks. That is so true, Eden. Wow. You do some incredible work and I can tell that you freaking love this stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like late night Googling, like, <laughs> like you yes. just freaking get off on like learning and just, and that's, I think where our purpose comes in. Right. And I was thinking about this earlier, like what literally are you so genuinely curious about? Like what lights you up? What do you want to figure out on this planet to the best of your ability? And then the other pieces you know, facts and knowledge is one thing, but you are somebody who I see lives it and walks it, right? And that's where the real potency comes in and the magnetism comes in where people start to say, she's radiating something, right? And I want to learn from this person and people do learn from you and look up to you because you have this aura of one, I know what it feels like, two, I've busted my tail in the best way, in a fun kind of way, you know, and we know how challenging it is, but like, we like to do these things. I mean, I think I'm like, I'm here to do this, <laughs> right? I'm here to unlock this for myself and for others. And then the other piece is you put it into practice. Like that's wisdom, right? Knowledge is knowledge and wisdom is, knowledge is facts. Wisdom is I sit down and I feel my freaking feelings and I navigate this. I really want to talk about Tantra with you because that's something that I've 
been doing and practicing without like studying Tantra directly. So I heard yesterday by a teacher of mine that I love, Carolyn Elliott, she's really out there and I freaking love it. You know, those teachers who make you question like your, your ideas of life. <laughs> it's like, whoa, I don't know if I can accept that, you know, but I'm, I'm open. So that's good. It's good to be stretched in that way. But she compared alchemy, which is kind of that westernized word of like hermeticism, etc. you know, kind of a, a magical transforming of energies and mastery, right? And then Tantra. So she compared the two as being identical. Tantra as being the ancient Indian practice of transforming energies and harnessing power. And that was very simply put, it's a huge, huge thing. So what does that look like for you? Because when I have experienced my food and body issues, I too tried everything to get out of it. Like everything. And I'm just going to lay this out here. I haven't shared this with my community, but the reason why I went to experience mother ayahuasca was because I had food and body issues that were so intense that I could not directly affect. So I tried everything and I knew Eden, just like, you know, I feel that is a symptom of a deeper pain. And I felt in my body that I couldn't do it with the tools that I had, you know what I mean? And so I really connect with the controlling, with the perfectionism and everything that you shared. And, you know, in those moments when I had challenges with that, I really looked at myself and said, I'm going to go inside of this. So tell me about that Tantra path of uniting opposites, that alchemical marriage of the self, what does that look like? Oh my God, so beautiful. And thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that. And the comparison of alchemy is such a beautiful one. So in Tantra, in the, in the understanding that I have is one of the meanings of Tantra is anything that expands us. It's like weaving a loom and anything that we can use as a practice that's bringing us closer to that divine or that divine union. And so one of my favorite practices for doing that is using the, the practice of emotion. And so mm -hmm. I think when you speak about alchemy, what it makes me think of is, and basically what you just described is the process of integrating an emotion. And so I think that we hit this point when we tried everything on the external. And I think it's it's fundamental human nature that when we see a problem or, or we see, oh, I'm having a food and body issue, it must be food and my body. I must mm -hmm. change what I eat. I must fix my body. When in fact, it's just that we have this psychosis <laughs> happening in our brain, not like a full-blown psychosis, but we have some sort of mental or emotional imbalance happening within us and we're looking in the mirror and we're just seeing this image and we're just projecting it onto that image. We're projecting this deeper imbalance that we have onto something that we just see that looks tangible, that's physical, that once again, furthers this misconception that we can control it, that we can fix it. If only we work harder, diet more, we'll control our bodies more. And so I think most people in my experience and what I've seen will exhaust every single external physical way or behavior change, mindset work, positive affirmations, diets, before you end up realizing that you have the only way out is in the only way truly out of the suffering that we feel 
is by turning around and facing it. And to me, that's the biggest tantric alchemy we can do is to use every single emotion that we have as a portal into the divine. So when you speak about purpose and you speak about what, what lights me up, that is personally what lights me up. I have this weird thing and I, I fully understand that everyone is like this. And in fact, many people find this work quite intimidating or scary or, you know, we'll just put it off their entire lives because they don't want to turn on face those things. I love facing those things. I love trying to find every single shadow, really, every single buried emotion, every single thing I feel shame about and unlock those things. Because the way I see this and actually understand it in our physio physiology as well is that when we have repressed emotions, it's almost like we've compartmentalized or partitioned off these pockets of potential energy that can't be used because our body is actually spending so much energy continuing to not allow us to access these, these emotions and keep them down or, and keep them locked. And as a result of that, we ourselves then spend so much energy trying to outrun these things. Because if I have a deep shame that I'm not enough or that I see really lazy and don't work hard enough, as a reaction to that, I'm going to overwork myself. I'm going to unnecessarily effort so that I can prove to everyone else that I am not lazy, that I am working hard enough while actually never being able to outrun that sensation because it lives inside of my nervous system. And so when we can track those little packages or those little repressed, like almost bubbles and pop them, that to me is the alchemy of turning a shadow or turning a darkness into light. We are literally bringing it into our awareness, into our consciousness. And in doing so, not only freeing up so much energy, but to speak to what you're saying, becoming more whole, integrated and radiant as a person. You can tell when a person gives no fucks. I'm sorry, we left a person. <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> tell when a person has not holding anything back because they looked at all of their stuff and they're not ashamed anymore. That's freedom. And that's the only way I feel that we can get rid of these feelings. You can run your entire life. You can try to prove to your brother, sister, mother, entire family that you are good enough or that you're not lazy, but like you will never actually feel that that is not true anymore until you do this work. And so this is why people will lose the weight. People will look back and look at their best weights that they've been at and say, I was the most miserable I ever was because they still were not able to receive in their nervous system, the feeling of being enough. So that's to me kind of how I understand Tantra is how can we use every single experience? And to me, my experience is predominantly an emotional one. So that's what I use to go in to figure out how to almost hack and unleash all of the energy that I can because I am here to experience the fullest expression of myself and experience a widened degree of compassion too. This is also, I believe, the key to experiencing compassion for one another is that when we can't look at those different shadows and, and confront those repressed emotions, and the natural result of doing that is self-compassion, we're not going to be able to do that for anyone else. So anytime we have a judgment towards someone else, anytime we are, you know, projecting something, blaming something on someone else, that's the extent of our compassion, both for that other person and for ourselves. And so I think this work truly is the medicine, not only for our personal freedom, but for the collective freedom. 
Oh my gosh, are we soul sisters or what? Like, literally every word just goes in so easy. And I feel like, you know, like it's a mirror of me saying it back to me. Like, I have the same obsession, love, of, you know. I know, I see that in you. (laughs) Wholeness. Like, I looked up the word healing and it means wholeness. It means integrated. And I want to talk about your work, but first I want to talk about, like, well, everything is about your work, but really like how you work with clients. I'm excited to share, to have you share about that. So what is up with us feeling like we have to play a certain role? Because something that I've been experiencing in my life is this pedestal of the good, beautiful priestess energy. And one of the biggest like mind blows for me was holding my sexy darkness and really being with that. And I have to share something real quick. So I had this question, this late night question of, okay, what is the difference? And I think you're going to really vibe this. (laughs) I don't think I've shared it with you, but maybe I have. So I had this question of what is the difference between like kind of sexual, like uh, playing with power dynamics, darkness, like the yummy, yummy darkness, right. Mm -hmm. Versus like fear and lack darkness. And guess who I, did I tell you this story? No. No. So I asked Shaman Durek. <laughs> I sent him a message. Oh, you literally asked. That's amazing. Not through the ethers, which I know you and I do. <laughs> right? I was like, oh, you just dialed him up. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you can do that, by the way. Dial people up through the ethers. It's great. Play with that power. So, but be mindful because you're really doing things. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's real. The ether's real. So anyways, I sent him a message because I heard him say on one of his podcasts or videos or something that he'll respond to you if you make it short and sweet. (laughs) And so I sent him this message, like, what's the difference between sexy, yummy darkness and like demonic or heavy or fearful darkness. And he sent me back a voice message. I have to share it with you at some point. Yeah. Incredible. Like dream come true right there. And, um, he said, they're not the same. You know, he said, they're not the same. So the sexy darkness is a play. It's a play, like playing with power dynamics, because I have this, you know, dark side in terms of sensuality that I used to suppress. And we know how that goes. It just turns to shit and it runs us when we suppress anything. And so I've really been exploring, okay, how do I really allow this kind of kinky, like, ooh, this like really sensual energy to be expressed and held and, and honored. And so what he said was they're, they're different. So play in sexuality is just play. You're not actually trying to take power from someone. You're not actually trying to hurt someone, right? Even if you play with those dynamics of power play, he says one is play and one is, is rooted in the intention to take someone's power away. So that fear consciousness is you're intending to hurt, to harm, or to take someone's power. The play is just the play. It's the intention to express, to have fun, to be in love in your own unique kinky way. So what do you feel about that? (laughs) What's coming to mind is just the contrast and the polarity that I feel we all come here to experience. And I think you highlighted it so well of when you said, you know, if we suppress something, it is going to run us or it's going to come out in a really unhealthy way. And one of the fundamentals of Tantra is that there is no good or bad. There Mm. just is. There's no 
one experience that's better or more desirable than another? And how can we learn to appraise and be with all of our emotions, all of all phenomena, even physiological sickness as a experience that we came here because on some level of consciousness, we actually desire to experience that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really beautiful practice. And I think what you are also articulating is the difference between an energy or an emotion or a desire within us that because we have shame around, it's almost taking on a unhealthy or imbalanced expression. And if we, we can just remove that shame, it's in fact just another aspect, another layer of the contrast, another sensation or experience that we want to delight in and experience as a human. The difference between that and like true fear or scarcity, which to me now I'm going into like, this is our limbic brain, which is just wired for survival and something we're never going to get rid of. But almost the difference kind of between like a primal fear, which is survival, which I think drives a lot of those, any behavior really that is designed to like dominate another person or hurt another person or manipulate power. And then a desire or a a true authentic part of us that we have shame around. And so it's coming out in an unhealthy way. And I think we almost can fear those parts of ourselves because they are so powerful. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. So I want to talk about now. So I've been reading Outwitting the Devil, Changing My Life. Like you would love it, Eden, I swear. (laughs) And yes, and, and I know a lot of people might not vibe with Audible, but I cannot recommend this book enough on Audible because once you get into the, the, beauty of the book and kind of the bigger portion of it. It's an interview between the devil and Napoleon Hill. And it is absolutely mind blowing. And the premise is the idea in it is those who are in their full power, they think their own thoughts. So for example, the idea there is thoughts come into our mind that are actually not us. Right. And Shaman Durek, he's a spirit shaman. So he sees all of those thoughts, like those intrusive thoughts as spirits. So that's his lens that he views, you know, all things as a spirit. So, and I really like that view. So in the book, it talks about, you know, the people who really F shit up in the world, meaning build shit up and break shit down. And the people who have the most money, generally speaking, you know, are the people who think for themselves, who you know, create and think deliberately. And it's interesting because the devil, and I think of the devil as like empty space in a way, like dark matter, right? It's not this like conscious being who's trying to kill us all. And it talks about this in the book, how the devil is the negative, is the electron. Hashtag duality. Hashtag, I love what you shared about Tantra. (laughs) That's a long hashtag. And so, yes. So that is all about, you know, what, so what do you do with your thoughts? Like, you know, when you have intrusive thoughts, what do you do with them? And how do you generate your own thoughts and really create your reality outside of the programs and the sexy, um, like offerings, right? That this world gives us, that's really fear, lack and, and 
you know, scarcity. So how do you deal with your mind, Eden? And how do you, how does that like relate with your clients? So tell me about that, your thoughts and how that shows up with your work with clients. So I don't like to deal directly with my mind. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I think something I hear a lot is like your thoughts create your reality. And I think actually our thoughts are a symptom of our emotions, which are a symptom of our nervous system state, which is a symptom of the programming that we receive early in childhood. And so I have found that our thoughts really just are a reflection of the same mapping or the same template of emotion and perception that we download in childhood. So I don't think, I think it's very difficult to change your thoughts on the level of thoughts, if that makes sense. I think that we have to actually go down deeper. And so the way I work with this is with clients is because our thoughts and our mind and kind of what you described shaman Durek calling all these different spirits, I call that our inner critic. And I see it as all of the internalized voices and narratives of our caregivers, of our teachers, of our peers, of anyone who had an impact on us and really made an impression on us, which is everyone in the year zero to seven and beyond actually in our life. So I see that inner critic or that voice, the voice in our head, is really just this conglomeration of what we have understood as who we need to be in order to be protected, safe, and quote unquote, good enough. So I think that we can really lovingly use our mind and use our thoughts as a way of tracking where we have emotional wounds, where we have trauma in our nervous system that needs to be unraveled on a deeper layer, which is then going to change the the thoughts or going to change that that layer almost if if we are talking about it as layers which is how i see it so i like to use i like to leverage the mind and our thoughts and this voice that i call the inner critic the voice of should perfectionism anytime we label or judge something about ourselves as bad i like to use that voice because it actually gives us information about where we have emotional wounds and so by figuring out what that voice's deepest fears are, what is that voice actually afraid of is the worst possible scenario. If you actually did gain five pounds and you're looking in the mirror, what is it actually telling you? Cause it's not just about, oh, I need to lose weight. What's actually under that for most people is, wow, I'm lazy. Oh my gosh. Like I'm not only lazy, I'm stupid because I've internalized that if you're lazy and fat, you're also like stupid or lack self-control. Okay, well, what's what's so bad about that? Why is that voice actually so afraid of that? Well, when I was five, my cousin made fun of me for eating another cupcake. And that right there is a wound of shame that, that created a wound that I'm not going to be loved. I'm not going to be accepted. That there's a something, there's a very emotional trigger attached to the weight. So it it has nothing to do with the surface level things in our lives. It's what in our brain we've programmed that to mean about danger versus survival. And so once we can access that, this is literally how I work with clients. Like once we can access what the deeper thing in our limbic brain is, because we've recorded that as a very emotional, real black and white thing that if I gain weight or I'm fat or I can't control myself, this is an actual threat to my survival because it threatens my belonging in the group. It threatens me being accepted and loved. 
it means I'm bad or sh shameful, whatever. We need to now then talk to and bring that part of you that's actually still that five-year-old who's entrenched in the feelings of shame, not good enough, fear. We need to bring them up to speed and we need to actually love and embrace them and help them to know that you are still lovable even if you make a mistake, like whatever, and this is so personal and unique, but like whatever you needed to hear in that moment to avoid that wound to your, to your identity or to whatever shamed you to avoid having that being laid down, what needed to happen. And so this is where unconditional self-love, forgiveness, embracing every part of ourselves really comes in and the inner child work. I mean, that's what I'm all about. So that was the whole tangent. <laughs> Love your tangents. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know, when you were sharing about like that wound, that shame wound, like let's just, let's just throw it up. Like this, that was so beautiful what you just shared. When you were mentioning about that shame wound, about that memory, I got this vision and this word of like, it creates a riff. Like it create, like you have this stream and then you have something, you know, especially when you're young, cause you're all subconscious, everything you're, you're getting, literally getting programmed. And we really only law of attract based on our subconscious. That's what people don't really understand. I think is that we think that it's just the surface, right? If we think all these good thoughts, if we do all these things on the outside, that's going to create a reality, but what's creating your reality is your subconscious. So that's why ding, ding, ding this work of turning towards yourself and getting curious and asking yourself the right questions, having the right containers and support, like hire Eden as your coach, you know, she's rocking it. If that feels good for you, you know, and we'll share all of her info, how to find her at the end. So definitely stick around. That is going to enable you to actually create what you want. And in alchemy, that's called, I learned from Carolyn Elliott, the alchemical marriage. Because, and we talked about this before. If you have the subconscious, like for example, subconscious literally hates to be in a relationship. Like F that, I fucking hate it. Like this is miserable. I'm going to lose myself, whatever. And then your conscious mind is like, oh, I have a need, a conscious need, which is perfect. Like we all have needs to be in partnership. I want kids, et cetera. And this is something that I'm unpacking, right? Mm -hmm. And so a part of the process is awareness. It's not a lot of work. It actually takes more work. If you're listening, I really want you to take this in. It takes more work to run mm. and more effort to run than it does to see that thing that you don't mm. want to see. And some people don't want to see. Mm -hmm. And I pray that they awaken to the fact that when you choose to see, it's not as bad as you think. The running and, I, and sometimes I'm going to actually put this in the past because our words create a reality to some extent, right? The stories we tell become the spells that we, you know, see in the world. I used to run, even when I did this work for years. I'm like, you know, we have this thing where we don't want to feel the pain, which is okay. Like, guess what? It's all God. If we want to go Tantra with it, like it's mm -hmm. all okay. We are learning. And so one of my favorite things, Eden, I feel like you'll relate to this, is that moment where you're like, fuck and you just drop straight in there's pain calling me i've resisted it for the last 10 hours or even 10 years right whatever it is for you you know i've resisted it for an hour and it's making me feel like my life sucks and it's bringing me down in that moment where you lay down and you say fine kill me take me <laughs> and you let yourself drop so share with the listeners today 
where does somebody begin doing that? Because you don't necessarily want to do this like shadow work with your greatest wounds, right? If you were abused, like you don't want to start there, right? You want to be mindful. You want to create safety. So if somebody says, wow, this is all hitting for me. I want to like bite into this, you know, a little bit. Where do they start? Where is a safe place to begin? Oh, wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. All of that. That was just lit me up. And I Aww. love the way you just painted that picture because it's so true. And the metaphor I always think of is when we feel physical pain, if we put our hand over a fire, our initial reaction is to withdraw our hand because it's burning us. And that's an amazing survival instinct. And we do the same exact thing with emotional pain. Mm -hmm. We think that feeling any emotional pain is going to literally hurt us. And so mm -hmm. I actually, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I actually have a theory that this is where aging actually comes from. And, and the whole concept of like time and aging and even disease, because when we resist that for so long, and it, it creates this illusion that we, we need to constantly outrun something. And I think this can lead us to fall into depression, anxiety, so many different symptoms, but we prolong the act of turning around and just feeling one in, one speck of this stuff for so long. And it becomes this mountain that we're now so afraid to look at. And we've built up to this huge thing that we just don't realize, but we're spending days, weeks, years, just resisting, just numbing, just constructing this whole life and world to live in to avoid ever turning around. So, which I understand. And I totally feel what you're saying of like, having so much compassion for ourselves and for you, if you are doing that or you do resonate with that, but to know that just as you just said, Ashley, like it, it's one instant that the time that it takes and the energy that it takes to literally dissolve a, what feels like a mountain or a lifetime of pain is literally the space of 90 seconds. It's yes. <laughs> and so what I, what I, the first thing I like to always teach my clients is and this is really related to brain and trauma recovery as well is we need to feel safe in our bodies with our emotions. So mindfulness, the most number one basic thing we can learn is how to be aware of the phenomena in our body without identifying with it. So mm -hmm. I think that a meditation practice is the simplest, quickest, most effective way for someone to start doing this because until you're able to sit with a difficult emotion without resisting it, without becoming overwhelmed by it, entrenched in it, re-triggered by it or re-traumatized by it, which is what happens when we have trauma. That's why we don't want to revisit things is because they re-traumatize us. We need to feel safe feeling sensations in our body. So I think starting with any sort of mindfulness practice, meditation practice that that brings you into your body and not more out of your body. So I think a lot of meditation takes us visualize this emptiness, yes. space yes. out, go yeah. up to the ether. I'm saying, let's bring it in. Let's yes. feel it in our body. Let's meditate on our bones. Let's meditate on yes. the ocean in my body. Anything that is doing that for you, I think is an amazing first step because once you can do that, you can process any trauma, any emotional wound. Once you are able to observe the phenomena and the contents of your mind without being re-triggered by it, 
you can process and digest anything in the with your awareness so i really think that that duality the masculine and feminine or whatever this whole thing we're talking about of on the one hand pure awareness pure witness non-attachment i can hold space for anything you can show me the ugliest part of you and i will not run away the ideal boyfriend that you want to have that you can scream be a crazy <laughs> hormonal person too they are safe. they are not running they are not triggered they are not calling you ugly like they're just sitting there with that endless amount of compassion grace holding the space and then and these are both these are two aspects of you occurring that need to occur simultaneously for healing to happen in my opinion and then on the other hand you are feeling fully every single emotion that arises within your system and allowing it to fully express and release so the cur the contents of your mind the waves that are crashing on the shore just allowing them to crash through you and flow out and when you can hold this amazing container of non-judgment that is the alchemy of integration and healing in my opinion 100 percent. what a gorgeous way to begin i mean there it is simple anybody can do it you can start right now i mean just to feel, sense, and know that you're in a body, step one, right? Especially for the sensitives and for the spiritual people, man, this was, this was mind blowing. When I got to, you know, my ayahuasca ceremony, I shared this with you, I believe the biggest thing I learned was to choose to be in a body, mm. you know, because trauma and pain, a lot of the times the survival mechanism is to exit. And, and I've said this on my stories the other day on Instagram, we are so powerful that we can move our consciousness and check out. Like we all know what that's like. We It's not uncommon and it's not this big spiritual teaching that's abstract. This is like what people do every day. And so I feel like another thing that people could do is to make a decision to be in their body. Mm. It's as simple as that, right? You can start with that, start with the mindful. Those are beautiful, beautiful seeds to grow into, into water, into you know more depth because you don't want to jump in too quick this is really really potent it's nothing to be afraid of you know i would say if we're afraid of anything it's not doing this yeah. <laughs> hashtag heal the world through this practice of integration and you know i also think that all and i'll just drop this in i think all crime and violence and separation all of that comes from fragmentation yeah. where why do people do that why do people hurt themselves? Why do people hurt other people? These deep, 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 deep wounds that aren't just ours. They're carried through generations. They're carried from mom and dad. I mean, this is a line that you and I, and if you know, you're listening and you're interested and you're going to begin this or, or continue this type of practice, this is affecting our blood. This is affecting our biology. This is affecting the kids that we might have. This is affecting literally everything. Cause like you said, the external is a mirror to the internal. So if we can hold space and choose to be inside the body. And I literally say, I'm in my body. I did it today. I choose to be in my body, no matter what it feels like. I'm not using my powers against myself to leave. I'm using my powers to be here now. Wow. Mm. Breathe in, into that. <laughs> and something else I'll share too, Eden is Another favorite teacher is John Wineland, who I love. Are you familiar with him? Is he a poet? I don't think so, but he does do a lot of beautiful writing. I think you would really vibe with him. He does a lot of masculine, feminine kind of essence teachings, really powerful. And he talks about posture. 
So if you are wanting to tell your partner something that's uncomfortable, having a conversation or whatever, are you doing it with your, are you slouching? You know, if you're trying to hold space for the feeling of anxiety, what's your posture like? Because being yogis, you know, you and I, we know that the way we hold our body is the way our energy is flowing. So if you want to communicate a truth and your head is turned like this, <laughs> it ain't going to come out right. It feels so stacking the joints, you know, letting the energy of your body move. And if you're going to speak your truth, how about shoulders back, heart up, breath flowing. So that's the masculine container as well that we all have that um, yang energy, that Shiva energy is our container. So what is your body like? Are you sitting tall? Is your spine elevated? Is your heart open? And I'll just share something else that I love. I think you're going to love this that he shared is, you know, for example, making love. He says, I think, you know, I'm a believer that making love should fucking break your heart. It should fucking crack you open. You know, falling in love should break you a little bit. You know, we're meant to have this really sacred, intimate relationship with life. And to tie into that, you know, I just had my appendix taken out. And I know with every obstacle, there's a seed of equivalent or greater benefit. That's Napoleon Hill's words, right? So I'm researching in my own psyche, why did this happen to me? And I, you're going to love this, I feel. It's important, you guys. Us psychic investigators <laughs> need to know <laughs> that it's not our fault, mm. right? If you created an experience that sucks, guess what, my love? It ain't your fault. And it might be the hand of the divine saying, hey, love, you know, you are stuck in this department. So I'm going to give you a gift. And that's a big thing to understand, I think, in terms of law of attraction is you know, you're not that powerful that you can make horrible things happen to yourself. You know what I mean? And so I'm looking at my appendix and I asked myself with love and I said, gosh, babe, like, you know, when you were in the hospital bed and you couldn't see and you were in extreme pain, tell me what that felt like. And why did that kind of feel like a relief? Mm. You know, and that feeling of being forced to surrender, Eden, when I was in the hospital bed, that, that felt, that felt like something for me. It felt like a relief in a sense that I had, I had no choice. I had to let go and to fucking surrender to my experience. And that's juicy for me. And I'm going to continue to explore that. So how do you, and I'll ask maybe one or two more questions. I'm going to honor your time. How do you find the gift in the pain? Mm. Wow. Beautiful. So every, I just love you so much. I love you. <laughs> We're such, oh, I just love us. Um, oh, I do. <laughs> but so, okay. I want to come back to your last question and then say something and then tie it into this question that you just asked of how can someone start? Yeah. And you touched on this. I just want to reflect it back to everyone. This idea that Another really important place to start, and I think almost the container, the perceptual container we need to put around our experience when we start doing this deep healing work, shadow work, feeling our feelings, whatever it is, is understanding the mindset that everything, 
we we are choosing not only to be in our bodies, but that everything that's happening to us is in fact for us. It is here to transform us. And this this perspective of radical ownership and self-responsibility of saying, I'm going to step out of being a victim in every single area of my life because I understand that the areas in my life where I am blaming, projecting onto others, and being attached to the narrative that I am a victim, I cannot heal. I cannot heal those things because I'm blaming or projecting them onto others. And, and essentially I'm consenting to giving my power away. Does that mean that we attracted horrible, oppressive, abusive circumstances? Absolutely not. It is about, however, making the decision to figure out, like you were saying, what how is this going to serve me? How, how can I alchemize this and turn it into something good? How can I make meaning out of this? How can I extract a nectar from this that is going to make me more whole, more integrated, give, teach me a lesson I can share with other people? And amazing book on this, A Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl, who went through the Holocaust and the entire time he was so attached to his work. He's a psychologist. He developed a whole system of psychology and he, he wrote this whole book ar around this idea that him searching for meaning and in every single throughout all of those years it, being in a concentration camp being served to death whatever he believes it's it's meaning that makes our lives fulfilled and and happy rather than like almost searching for happiness it's actually meaning that is what is fulfilling to us and he believes that that helped him to literally stay alive throughout that time so just coming back to that perspective of how can I really start to take ownership in my life and recognize this should like should be and can be the most empowering thing ever to realize that you do not have to be the victim of your circumstances and that how can I use everything to learn and grow from so and I think once we adopt that perspective and then on the other hand we understand also this idea of unconditional love um, something that I believe the universe, God, source, higher power, this matrix of intelligence is, is unconditional love. It's only mission is for us to remember that we are unconditionally loved, that we are unconditionally worthy, and that it is just these blocks and subconscious limitations that we have that prevent us from being able to receive that. So understanding too, like, like you said, it's not your fault. You are already whole. You are already perfect. Like there, this is not about that you're so bad or you now have so much work to do and you now have so much pain to process. It's about remembering the wholeness that you came here with and that unconditional love is your birthright. And any way, any place in your life where you are not experiencing that, we just need to work on subtracting those blocks so that you can experience that fully because it's, it's right there being trying to, the universe is trying to love you at all times. And so I think understanding, just putting our experience in that super loving, compassionate container is so important. And I think just that perspective shift, even as a first step of like, how can I look at everything that's happening to me and understand that I actually do have power to change how I am perceiving these things and change the emotional and perceptual map in my brain so that I can have a better experience. And so then coming back to your second question, which now I'm forgetting, oh, how do you find the, the gift and everything is number one, accept. Number one, accept radically 
where you are. And that means accepting that you're not the way you want to be at accepting. You don't have the body that that supermodel has accepting that you do feel like you're not good enough, or you don't have enough experience to get that job that you want or whatever it is just accepting. We can't move forward. We can't like find the gifts until we accept what is and we just come to terms with what is and i think that we have to accept in order to drop the resistance and i really see this as a dropping through and in something to almost like drop into the pain i know that sounds so simple you might be like how but literally lay on the ground and close your eyes let go stop resisting cry, scream, turn on music, like, like drop in to however you are feeling, do it right now, like turn off this pod, pause it right now. <laughs> like, and from that, the, we can't find the gift until we let the resistance or the emotion flow out. And so it's like, whatever is clogging your channel, whatever is pent up within you must flow out before we can find the compassion. So this isn't like a mental exercise of telling myself, oh, I should be so grateful. I really should. No, that's bypassing. Go in. How do you really freaking feel first? Do you feel angry? Do you feel sad? Do you feel ashamed, embarrassed? Like let it flow and, and accept it and remove the judgment from yourself. And so I would say that once you do that, the gifts will reveal itself. The gifts will be so abundantly apparent and you know in my personal practice when something's happening i have a journaling practice i have a meditation practice where i go okay number one what is the situation bringing up for me emotionally what is the energetic imprint the emotional imprint okay anger sadness frustration i feel like a victim i feel resentful number two what does this remind me of because this isn't about this this circumstance this is something in my nervous system there's a part of me that is still playing out the story of the victim there's a part of me from my past where i did feel like a victim that i felt resentful because a certain need wasn't getting met how can i now go into myself tantric alchemy provide that need meet that need lift that part of myself out of victimhood fulfill the unmet emotional need so that i can stop perceiving that i am a victim which is just coming out of whatever's imprinted in my nervous system and then from there, my circumstances are going to transform because I'm no longer going to perceive them the same way. So that's what I do all day long as much as possible. <laughs> and, and from there, yeah, the gift is many things, but the overarching one that I see as a theme is just, it's more compassion. It really mm -hmm. is more compassion. And I think as well as whatever your pain is, whatever your struggle is, you are going to that for a reason because you are going to extract something from that and you are going to help so many people based on that exact experience if i had not gone through every single challenge that i've gone through all those years of suffering all those years of eating disorders all the relationship codependency all the people pleasing i wouldn't know all this i wouldn't have all this wisdom and be able to help people through that. So I look back on my deepest, darkest moment. And I know that even then I was divinely guided. Even then I know that God was with me when I had no clue that, that he, she, they were, because it was, it's all, I was always divinely protected. And so I just think, yeah, all of this, this was, that was a lot. I think I said enough. Amazing. This woman, you guys, has just laid out so many practices for us to do 
I mean, I hope that we're taking notes right now. I'm definitely taking notes and I can't wait to listen to this again. Absolutely beautiful, Eden. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And also to add to that, something I've learned from shamanism is, and Shaman Dirk as well, looking at his book right now called Spirit Hacking, highly recommend that, is you can speak directly to your pain. Mm. And, and here's a really cool example. Like if you have a headache, you can ask, the best way to do it is out loud. You can say, you know, first find your container, lengthen your spine, breathe, feel it, accept it. Okay, those are the really, really important foundations, okay? And then you can say, hey, pain, like, why are you here, my love? And here's a tip. If you don't hear the answer, then say this out loud. I challenge you, say this out loud. I release the fear of knowing the truth right now. Wow. That's what Shaman Durek does, like on lives. He's like, if you didn't hear anything, say out loud, I feel afraid to hear the truth and I'm releasing it now. Like I speak directly to my shadow. I say, hey, love, how are you today? And the shadow, don't, the shadow is like, for me, it looks like, you know, arms crossed, sitting back, will tell you the blunt truth of why you keep creating this or why this is happening. And so Shaman Dirk has really helped me and shamanism and mysticism in general has helped me realize that we can speak directly to things. We are that powerful. And then what do we do with that information is up to us, you know, listening to your intuition, listening to your heart, phoning a friend, hashtag, don't do this alone, you guys, get yourself an Eden, you know, get yourself a friend, a coach, anybody. And maybe this alone has freaking lifted you up and served you. And my intention is that it has. And so remember that you can speak directly to yourself, that inner child, my love, and doing it out loud is really potent because you can hear yourself. What do you need from me? And it's about listening to yourself. What do you need from me? And really hear, oh, you need me to stop going to this job because it's fucking killing me. Okay, then maybe I will do that. Mm. You know, our job is to listen to ourselves. How do you want a lover to listen to you? You know, like you mentioned, unconditional love, giving yourself that ear, you know, hey, what do you need? Or why did this happen? Or, you know, getting really curious. And that alone is absolutely life-changing. And that allows us to extract what you said, the nectar, which I love, is to ask, hey, what was the gift? Like I go in and I can pinpoint the voices in my head now because I ask, you know, if I hear a voice in my head, I'll say, who's talking? Like we're that powerful. Who's, who's speaking right now? Oh, Archangel Michael. Oh, the devil. Oh, the force of fear. And then I know what to do from there. So if you don't hear anything when you ask, release the fear of knowing your truth, ask again and be willing to see the truth and hold it with fucking radical love. I love when you say radical. It's like, whew, big love. And I know sometimes where one in particular, where I sat with my friend Allie when I was really experiencing a, a destabilizing energy inside my body. And she was there and she watched me and I was in this space. And so know that, having someone with you is really powerful. And I know it can feel like, oh, I'm being seen in this destabilizing energy or whatever it is. It's safe to be seen in that, okay? Because like you said, meaning, you know, we're bringing meaning to life. We're bringing all of us to life and all of it is worthy of love. So my love, give us three things that, oh my gosh, okay three things that okay how about this so one what are you most excited about two what do you want people to know 
like what is a wisdom drop? Okay, so what are you most excited about? What do you want people to know? And three, um, where can people find you? How about that? Okay. okay. <laughs> Number one, I am most excited about the potential and the possibility of getting my nervous system to a state where I'm living in trust and security and being loved and provided for all of the time. Like just truly getting to that state where there's no doubt in my mind that the universe is providing for me at every single thing that I need and that there's no more shred of a doubt or shadow of a doubt of that. And I say excited because I'm, I can feel that I'm, I'm going there. You know, I'm, I feel that being drawn in as a reality and because of all the work that I've done to unravel the scarcity, the lack the fear, the limitations within my nervous system. So that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited to walk in that 24 seven and just be so provided for and loved all the time and to, to feel that as a felt sense of my body. Beautiful. Wisdom drop. I think something that popped into my head well, two, I have two. I'll make it quick. That's okay. number, one is, <laughs> number one is I think we need to witness our own pain. Like the biggest thing that you can do to heal yourself now is to be the witness to your testimony, to your pain. Listen to your pain. Ask yourself, ask your inner child, your five-year-old self, tell me how you feel. All that part of you needs is for you to be a witness to it, to believe it, to hear it to be present for it and to witness that testimony. The second little piece of wisdom I just wanted to share is that um, for so long, I felt so overwhelmed by this work because I was afraid to take responsibility for things. I didn't, like you said, to ask that question, okay, I released the fear of knowing what the answer is. I have put so much of this off because I was afraid of taking responsibility for these things. And I didn't want, I, I just felt so overwhelmed and I was in such a overrun, overworked mentality that the thought of having to now take responsibility for all of these things and look at all these things was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I'm working so hard already to just try and survive. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. And so I just want to send so much love to that person and to tell, tell you that it's not that this is another thing to feel bad about or wrong about or that you need to fix. It's truly just the key to you experiencing so much freedom. And so I just like wanna send so much love to anyone out there who's listening who feels that way. And then where can you find me? Is at mindbodyhaven.com or at mindbodyhaven on Instagram. Send me a message, send me a voice memo. I love voice memos. <laughs> like, like I'm literally here to talk to you. So um, that is where you can find me. Incredible. That was beautiful. Those tips, man, you really summed it up and like brought it home with that. Thank you for, for not limiting it to one. Like you brought it, you brought it. Thank you. You guys, please go follow Eden. She posts so much goodness and she loves to talk about her purse snacks and her <laughs> behind the scenes. Like this girl is meant to be behind the camera, just talking about life. And she's got a podcast. What's your, is it Mind Body Haven? 
I just forgot. I, I forgot that I started, but it's called the Mind Body Haven Podcast. Field notes from the spiritual journey, but if you just put in the Mind Body Haven Podcast, you should find it. And Ashley's going to be a guest soon, so stay tuned for that episode. We're just going to geek out, go a thousand miles. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Good. Oh my gosh! Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I have this feeling like I want to create something with you. So if you're listening. Totally. Stay tuned because this is a good partnership and I can't wait to serve more with you and just share more. So thank you so much, Eden, for your time and just maybe taking a breath together right into the heart space, infusing this beautiful conversation with amazing energy and whoever's meant to listen to it will. Thank you so much, my love, and I will talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye, love. All right, everybody. That was Eden. Definitely follow her. Connect with her. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you soon.